This is Workflow, Episode 6. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle, and this is our podcast, Workflow. Today we're talking about how to drive software adoption in your team. Should we start out with what's happened at Rindle? Yeah, besides uh, the, the podcast being live, which we mentioned in the last episode, um, I think we're still working on V3 of Rindle, which is exciting, um, yet a large project. So still working on testing all those uh, little nuances and getting everything, you know, wrapped up and ready to uh, get into production. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually uh, crazy how just complicated, even simple software is. Uh, I think especially making software simple. Um, Like we have had a lot of discussions this week about how different features should, should work and uh, how the user experience should be. And like it, it seems so simple on paper, but once you get in there and start rolling around with it, it's really complicated. Yeah, I noticed one thing that keeps coming up as we're talking, which I think is a great thing, is you know, um, not to put the burden of what we're doing onto the user. Um, so I think that's been kind of an ongoing uh, little blurb that keeps being brought up week to week. Um, but I think some of the things we're dealing with are complicated uh, in the background. Um, but you know, how do we do that? So we don't put the burden on the user. We put the burden on ourselves and make it a really great experience. So I think some of those, uh, as we test V3 and everything like that, that we're working on trying to get this out the door, um, some of these user experiences are coming up and we need to make sure that those are solid before we kind of push it out. All right, cool. So anything, uh, new or exciting going on in your life, Brian? Well, outside of Rindle, um, (laughs) I I have found the perfect pair of flip flops, which I have. Oh, I'm a I'm a flip flop guy, so I wear flip flops pretty much as much as I can, even when I probably shouldn't. When it gets pretty cold out, um, I've always worn like rainbows, which is a pretty popular flip flop out there. Leather, I still like those, um, but I I was struggling to find a really good rubber pair of flip flops because you know, when they get wet and stuff, like you don't want to wear leather flip-flops and all that stuff. So I uh, like to the pool and things like that. So I had a really thin pair of flip-flops that would slide off your feet and, you know. Um, so I, f- I, through my sister, found this pair of Crocs flip-flops that are absolutely amazing. I'll, I'll link them up in the show notes if anybody cares. But they're basically mm-hmm. like wearing s- sneakers on your feet, but you're wearing flip-flops um, and super comfortable. Like it's, it kind of wraps around your foot. So I'm really, really excited if you can't tell about my new pair of football <laughs> you know I'm, I'm really a reef guy myself actually uh oh nice flops. i've owned reefs in my life yeah the last uh pair of reefs that i got actually had a, a bottle opener in the bottom of them which has come in handy uh a number of times it's been pretty awesome nice i was actually looking at my grill spatula yesterday and noticed there's a bottle opener on the end of that and realized i never used it so even when I have like a barbecue or something, I always have bottle openers laying around and I never used it. So, but that's nice that that's coming handy for you. Oh yeah. It's pretty awesome. The only thing I, I can complain about with the flip-flops that is that when they, they, I put like a, a really wet foot in that flip-flop, that crock flip-flop and it was a little squeaky. 
Mm-hmm. So when I was walking across the pool area, it was, you know, people could hear me coming. So that's my only complaint, but I think that's a pretty uh, small complaint. So. Yeah, I mean, for the comfort that it brings, I guess it's, uh, you know, across the bear. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. So what's <laughs> up uh, What's up with, on your personal side? What's going on? Uh, not much, you know, just doing a lot of work. Uh, the wife was with the kids down in Delaware this weekend visiting her family and uh, – and I was at home doing work and I got a little golf in. So that was, that was exciting. Had my, uh, I did have my first birdie ever, which was awesome. And then, uh, yeah. And then I shot terribly after that. So nice. that's, so that's for, golf for you. For those of us who don't play golf, uh, and that's not me, but anybody listening, um, <laughs> a birdie is, you know, one under par, right? So if, if the hole is like a par three and you get it in a hole in two strokes, then it's a birdie. Um, so, Tom, how long have you been playing golf now? Uh, that was probably like my sixth time out playing golf, fifth yeah. or sixth time out. So, so not that pretty, long. Pretty awesome. They got a birdie that, that early on, and um, that's what keeps you coming back, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Before we get started, uh, we just wanted to quickly mention that uh, if you have any questions, uh, topics, or team scenarios that you want us to tear down, uh, our voicemail is... 860-577-2293. Yeah, if you call that number, we'll uh, definitely listen to your question and maybe even incorporate it on the, on the show. You can also email questions to workflow at rindle.com. Uh, that's W-O-R-K-F-L-O-W at rindle.com. You can also uh, attach MP3s right to, to the email, um, MP3s or, or waves or anything like that. You can leave us a review as well. Um, that helps us reach more people uh, through the different channels that we distribute the podcast through, like iTunes, for example. Um, so the more reviews you get, um, the, the better chance we have reaching more people, which is great. Uh, also motivates us uh, that we're kind of doing a good job. You're liking what you're hearing and, and to keep going. So uh, yeah, if you have it in you, take time to leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. All right. So let's get to the main topic. So uh, eight ways to drive software adoption in your team. Yeah, I think, you know, software in general has implementation challenges, regardless of the software type that you might be rolling out into your team. So that could be a PM software, a CRM, you know, a file storage, a cloud-based file storage solution, whatever it might be, you know, user adoption in your team is a big challenge. It's not so easy to say, hey, we're going to use this software today and tomorrow everybody's on it and using it and everybody's happy. Yeah, because, and I guess the challenges there, uh, are really like around your team, right? Like the, the, the it's hard to get people to uh, adopt new things just in general, right? And um, it's, if people already are using one thing and really like it, it's hard to get them to change. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times, I, I guess, even though you have software at a company, like people tend to think that it's like optional to use it, right? Yeah, I think people are used to whatever they're using today. So usually, a software solution is going to replace a process or something that's going on uh, today. That could be another piece of software. It could be a manual process that's happening. It could be something that multiple pieces of software are handling that you're going to now bring something that's going to handle all of those things. Um, So like, you know, even in a project management software example where people are currently using email to track their tasks, right? Because that's pretty popular still today. Um, you know, people are used to that. It's really hard to change their habits from, hey, no, we're not going to use email anymore. 
Uh, and by the way, all of you are not going to use email anymore. And we're going to use this new thing. Um, same thing for like a cloud file storage system. You know, you might be using a local file server and that's what everybody's used to using. And now you're going to use something like Dropbox or Drive. Um, and that change is really hard for people to kind of switch over to. Yeah, I, I, it's also on the opposite end of things. Like when you're developing software, right? Like uh, you constantly are asked like, well, what are you replacing, right? What software are you replacing? Um, and that's complicated because you, you can't actually come into a market and be like, oh, we're not actually replacing anything. We're, we're actually just going to be an additional piece of software because like no one wants to use an additional piece of software that they want to eliminate software right that they currently are using so so getting people to adopt a new piece of software is very complicated because people typically just just don't want to do it right they don't want to have to learn something new and use something new yeah so i think you know basically tons of challenges here i think we're, we're basically talking about eight today that we think are are the biggest ones uh, that could really help you you know even through our own experiences uh that we've had in our career but help you kind of roll out software or, you know, think about how you might roll out software in the future. So let's hop right into it. Uh, number one, uh, involve your team from the beginning. Uh, so yeah, do you want to, uh, do you want to tackle this one? Yeah, I think this is a big one for me in general. I think, you know, whenever you do anything, <laughs> you know, when you're rolling out a piece of software, a new process, uh, whatever it might be, uh, involving your team, I've have always found has been a lot easier. Um, a lot of times people will kind of make a lot of decisions um, in, a, in a silo, in, in a private area where they're not involving everybody quite yet because they don't want to alarm anybody to what's going on. Um, and then you hit them way later in the process with, hey, by the way, this change is happening and it's happening in five days. Um, and there's basically just panic. So not only do you get people kind of engaged early on, but you also kind of uh, alleviate kind of that panic syndrome. You also get input early on. So if anybody has concerns, they don't come when you've already made the decision and you're already so far down the path that you can't change uh, and you can't iterate. So I think that's, you know, really important to get your team involved early on. If you're considering multiple software platforms, whatever it might be that you're doing, you know, get, get a team meeting together. Yeah. Especially if it's like a, something that they're going to have to use on like a daily basis, right? You want their buy-in uh, pretty early in that piece of software. Um, and if they, like, like you were saying, if they, if they have a concern or if they think that there might be a better solution out there, you, you should know upfront, right? Or they should have that uh, say maybe upfront. You might ultimately still go with the software that you're, you decided to, to, to roll out, but at least they had a, um, a chance to voice their opinion, right? Yeah, and you could address those specific concerns, you know, so even if you decide to go with a different platform for whatever reasons, you can address those and explain that. Um, so everybody understands why the decision was made this way. Um, I also think you you avoid later people being frustrated because they didn't get to have their say. Um, so if you give them the opportunity to kind of chime in, give any feedback, and if they don't, and then they chime in later, you kind of say, well, I, I gave you the opportunity along with everybody else to kind of chime in with your feedback. Cool. So number two um, is choose software that's easy to use. And I think this might be something that somebody said, well, yeah, duh, that's obvious. Um, but I think a lot of times whoever is choosing the software uh, is typically more of a power user. So, 
they tend to not consider the whole team when making a choice. They're considering themselves or how they might use it or how a specific thing they need to solve or job to be done that they need done, <laughs> you know, and they, they consider that only, not, not the masses. Um, so I, I think that's kind of why it's not so obvious. Um, and really, you know, having software that's easy to learn, easy to teach and communicate to other team members how to use it, um, and just generally intuitive across the board is going to be a better solution overall. Because in the end, having mass adoption is more important than having just a small percentage of users using the software on your team. Yeah, and it's not just uh, that it's easy to learn, but it also has the resources available if you need to learn it, like uh, whether it's documentation or uh, webinars, like on a, a weekly basis, um, that you can hop in and you can you can actually learn learn the software. Right, the software itself doesn't necessarily have to just be simple simple software. Right, it, it can have complicated features. It just needs to have like a uh, an a path to learn it, right? Like uh, yeah. where you can start off small and, and, and iterate on that, build on that. I like, and, and you know, we even build Rindle this way, but you know, something that's simple on the surface and easy for the masses to kind of wrap their head around. But then as you dig in, you, you have the features and the flexibility for like the power user stuff. So, you know, in general, I think great software like that is this really well-designed software makes that happen, right? Where it's, you're not presenting all these complicated things on the top level really comes down to how you source the software that should be a decision point like as far as like well does it do everything i need to do but also is it easy right so a lot of times we just look at does it do everything i do yes great this is the solution but it's really complicated to use right so that's going to make your life 10 times harder yeah i i think it's like building off of the basic building blocks right like so even if you think of a software like email right like email is pretty simple right you can view your email read it and you can send or new emails or reply to that email, right? Those are the basic concepts. But if you take a look at a product like Gmail, right, it, it allows you to then take that a lot further by like there's advanced things that you can do with like filtering and, and sorting and, and labels. Um, those are more for power users. You don't even need to necessarily do all that stuff. It does all the basic stuff and it does it really, really well. Um, but then you can dive in, in further and, and do more uh, as you learn the software more. All right, number three, uh, explain the key benefits. So you need to explain to your team like why you're, you're picking the software and, and what the benefits will be to the team. If you're taking a, a file sharing software, uh, as an example, like a Dropbox or Box or what are the other popular file sharing softwares? Uh, Google Drive. Drive. Yeah. Um, you need to explain to them like, oh, the, the, like, it's important for everyone to use this instead of storing the files locally on your machine. So that way everyone has access to them. Um, like if you go on vacation, Bob can still see your files or whatever. That's one of the benefits. The other benefits is for backup, right? Like uh, we don't want all the files on your computer because what happens if your computer gets stolen or, or gets lost somewhere, right? Um, at least it's on, it's on in the cloud and it's backed up. Sometimes a reaction to a, a new software rollout is like, oh, I'm going to have to learn another software. So taking the time to actually explain the benefits that will be given to the team by using this uh, and all the reasons will help the case. Uh, sometimes it's not as obvious as you might think. And uh, the, your team members might shift directly into defensive mode, like, oh, I don't want to use it. I don't even want to pay attention to this meeting. I don't even want to know what's going on. Um, but if you really lay out the benefits, you can convince them early on, again, that 
hey, this is going to make our lives better. It's going to make it easier. Uh, and, and these are the exact reasons why. Uh, yeah, so uh, another common probably complaint about like when a new software has been rolled out is like people are, are saying that, oh, it's Big Brother watching us. It, you should probably head that off with saying like, this is not a, a Big Brother tool. We're not trying to see how much work you're getting done, right? If you're, if you're rolling out like maybe a task tool or project management tool, we're really just trying to like get the team more organized and, and help you like as an individual on the team rather than what am I, what, what am I looking for? Looking over uh, your shoulder? Yeah, ra rather than look over your shoulder, right? Even if ultimately like, yeah, maybe that tool is going to have additional reporting capabilities that will help the business. The individuals don't really necessarily need to be worried about that, right? This isn't going to affect their job if they're if they're hard workers and they're doing their job. Using this tool is is only going to benefit them, and it's only going to benefit the company. Yeah, being a big brother and having the kind of looking over your shoulders, I think, is not the core use of the tool. It's not a benefit that a company or you as a manager or whoever might be rolling this out. It's really um, just kind of like you said, cut that off in the very beginning saying, nope, that's not the purpose. It's really just being about improving communication and streamlining our teams, kind of how we work. So number four uh, is communicate at every stage of implementation. Uh, I think that this is pretty common too that, you know, sometimes team members feel out of the loop as to kind of what's happening when and when things are rolling out. So whatever kind of rollout plan you have in place, um, and, and sometimes it you know, my experience, it can take even up to six months to roll out a software and have everybody actually adopted, onboarded, and using it every day. So there probably should be stages that you're kind of rolling out, touch points and things like that. But, you know, if you keep your team, you know, in the loop as you kind of roll out these stages, maybe even, you know, share the rollout plan with them ahead of time so they know what to expect, it will just make everything easier as far as rolling it out. That actually leads right into number five, actually, which is uh, don't skip out on training, right? So you're going to have this plan of your implementation, right? And it could be several months, as you're saying, but like one of the early stages of that is training for the the product. And you as an individual uh, on a team, you can't you can't really skip that. Even if you think like, oh, it's just a piece of software. I, I know how to use it. Uh, you should really get like the actual formal training and you should ask questions, do whatever you got to do in order to like try to learn the software even if it is easy to use, right? Like it, it, you'll, you'll benefit some way from the formal training. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it really comes down to due diligence of like, you know, even though software might be easy to use, like making sure that your team knows how to use it, period. You know, so you don't make an assumption that, hey, oh, this is easy to use, it's great, um, but you're, you're kind of assuming that everybody will just know how to use it. Uh, so don't make that assumption. You know, team training is really important. I, I mean, I remember I rolled out, a project management software in one of my previous companies. Um, and I actually had to do multiple training sessions. So I had mm -hmm. to do, you know, different roles within the company even. So because everybody kind of uses the software a little bit differently. Um, so I had to do just, uh, you know, the core creative team in one type of training, and then like the account managers as one training and the project managers as another training, right? And then your management. And again, again this was kind of planned out in like, how, how should I roll this out? How do I communicate how to use this tool? Because it's not always as easy as just being like, well, let me have this mass training session for the entire company. And you're really not taking into consideration how each group of people will be using it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something to definitely consider uh, and mapping out. You know, it might take 30 minutes for, for quick trainings. Uh, it might take two hours, right, depending on who you're training and what you're training on. Uh, but should definitely be in the mix of your kind of your rollout plan.
and you know, overall it drives adoption. Like, again, we're talking about adoption here, right? So training on the software, getting people comfortable with it, answering questions, making sure they understand how you as a company are going to use it is just going to help adoption overall. I think that it is really important to, if you are setting up this training to, to actually do a first training session, that's really like, uh, you know, the, the high level view uh, or the, you know, the core functionality of the software and then have either additional training sessions that maybe are optional or um, mandatory for maybe certain departments um, like available or also just uh, one-on-one -on -one type training tools available, like whether it's uh, you know, the, help documents or like videos uh, of how to use different features uh, that people can kind of learn on at their own pace. Different people on the team are going to need different levels of handholding, right? When it comes to using a, using a new software. And it's important, I think, when you're rolling out software to be aware of that in order to aid uh, adoption. Because you also don't want to be like, force someone into hours of training that they really don't need, right? Especially if they're not going to even be using all the, that functionality because that could be a turnoff. Yeah, I think in the end, you need to provide the right resources to your team. And a lot of times, like the software that you're using will probably have a lot of, you know, out of the box resources for you. Like Rindle has like a help center and some video tutorials and other stuff. I'm sure you'll be able to put that stuff together. And sometimes you'll have internal process documents or things that you need to create to communicate, you know, how you're actually gonna use it internally. Um, because the tool is just a tool, right? So you, you still might have process or certain things that you wanna happen within that tool or how you want your users to use it. Um, I, I know, I, again, I had to create multiple documents, even for the different groups of people of, hey, this is the process, right? Or this is how we expect you to use a tool. Uh, and this is how we're customizing it specifically to how our company works. So make sure you outline those things, make sure they're clear and communicated to your team so they have all the resources and tools they need to, to understand how you're gonna use the software. All right, so number six, uh, you lead and they follow. So I, I really think that this is uh, like essential. Like if, as long as the software is a piece of software that um, everyone in the company is using or, or like large portions of the company are using um, and, and you actually are going to need to use it on a, a daily basis. Like you need to start with yourself using it on a daily basis. And then you need to start getting your team on it um, before you then worry about the rest of the company. Right. So it, it always starts with, with you uh, needing to completely buy into the software and uh, to start, start using it every day. And, and honestly, if you start using it from day one and, and you don't really like, like, use it all the time, like, or, or after the first week, you don't use it all the time. Maybe you should look for a different soft piece of software because maybe it's not a good fit. If, if you can't even use it every single day, like how can you expect your team to use it every single day? Yeah. I think a great example that I have of that is, you know, kind of, you know, even rolling out a PM software. Uh, one of the big things that I faced was people just getting tasks into the system, right? Because we were at the time communicating them in all different ways, walking up to somebody's desk, emailing, chat like you name it things were being you know communicated all all over the place as far as things that need to get done so the mm -hmm. first initiative was well like we need to start actually getting the tasks into the pm system and assigning them out to whoever needs to do the work a good example of this would be if i'm rolling out that software or i'm leading the initiative and day one i kind of walk up to somebody's desk and say i need you to do this for me right that would that would be a direct contradiction to me not leading you know, and expecting them to follow what I've laid out as far as how you use the software. Um, yeah. So it's really important. And people notice that. I mean, you know, they'll be kind of like, wow, 
boy, he's on a high horse, right? He's walking over. He's not even following his own rules. Um, so you really need to lead by example. And a lot of times doing that, people will see, see successes happening, right? So if you're using a tool and you're using it as planned, uh, they will see that your life's easier, that you're starting to understand your work better and all these things, whatever it is you're rolling out, um, and they will want to get on board with that. I, I could see this being especially important if you're like rolling out like a, a time management software, um, which from a previous episode, everyone knows our opinion on time management software and we don't really, uh, we don't really love them. But if you are rolling out a time management software to, to your company or time tracking software, if you will, you should probably use it yourself, even if you are a higher level manager, like, right. Because like, how can you expect your employees to really use that? Like every single day, if, if the software doesn't work well, or if you don't, aren't even able to use it yourself easily. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point, actually, that we made in that time tracking episode, I think it was uh, episode two, you know, about, you know, in the agency we worked at that, you know, all of the um, on the ground workers, if you will, the creative folks, the developers, designers, account managers, project managers, they all had a track time, but really the managers and upper management didn't have to. So mm -hmm. it was a constant thing like, wow, like, you know, we have to do this, but they don't. Right. So it was a constant conversation almost every week. So that's another it is a great example of saying like, hey, you know, if you kind of want everybody to do it from a, from a top down approach, you should be doing it, whether you're the leader of that team or you're the CEO of the company. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So number seven is be patient and nurture your team. Um, I think this is probably, again, another obvious one um, where we think it's obvious, but your team's busy. Everybody has work on their plate, right? People are doing whatever they're doing on their day-to-day -day basis. So you, you should expect them to have a level of frustration, you know, as you roll this out and as you're expecting to adopt these new habits. And you, you have to be a little patient and, and understanding of what's going on and nurture them along the way. It's going to happen regardless. Again, it's not going to be perfect. So uh, it's really important because I think people tend to get frustrated and be like, oh, so easy, just use it. I already explained it to you. You know, you should just be using it. It's, it's just change the habit. The habits are hard to change. Uh, I think actually it takes 21 days roughly to change a habit. So if you're expecting everybody to change their habits in week one, it's not going to happen most likely. And you're going to have to kind of help them along the way. I think that uh, another thing, uh, like as long uh, you you need to be patient and nurture the team, but you also kind of going back to that uh, number four, like communicating at every stage of implementation. Like at some point, there should be a stage of implementation where you you shut off that old way of doing things. Like say you are rolling out a, a file storage so, like software, and, and previously you're using something else. Month three everything should be cut off from that old, old way of doing it. Right. So that way, like, even if you were having some, some stragglers, right. Like, Hey, they, they had three months to like figure out how to use the new system and, and start using it. Now they have to, like, you have to be patient, but only up to, to a point, I think. Yeah. You don't want to get out of hand where, you know, you're being too lenient and nurturing. Um, yeah. You have to have some guidelines as to, well, this is happening by this point. Uh, and I think that's a good suggestion, like cutting things off if you can and giving my heads up to that, right. Saying, Hey, you're going to have three months to do this. I think is a great way to kind of implement urgency and understanding of like, you have this time, take advantage of it. Don't wait three months from now because you're going to be confused and frustrated. Uh, yep. So yeah, I think that's a great point. Awesome. The last point, number eight, is collect feedback along the way. And this is important uh, with rolling out software. I think this is important with everything that you do, um, that you should always be collecting feedback from, from your team about um, how something's going. Is it not going well? Like, what are the pain points? 
Um, how can we improve, improve this process in the future? Yeah, similar to, you know, even being, you know, the baseline process that we talked about, um, you know, in episode four, you know, being open to iteration and tweaking that as you go, um, mm -hmm. being open to feedback when you're rolling out new software, same principle. You might have thought you might use the software a certain way, then when you're actually using it or the team's actually using it, it ended up not being quite right. So tweaking that and how the guidelines of how to use it should be able to iterate along the way. A lot of times we just worry about our internal team, but if you have external people as well, kind of in the mix, that, that's equally as important. Sure, yeah, and, and also passing, uh, passing features and, and pain points along to uh, the people who, who developed whatever software you're using, uh, I think is, is really essential. Like, and, and again, that's more of a management thing to do, right? Like, but you're gonna be getting that feedback from the individuals using the product, like your, your team members. Um, but be sure to do that because, I mean, it, it, you'd be shocked with how many teams that are building products like really want to hear this feedback and, and implement um, changes, especially the onboarding or how people use the product. Uh, they really want to hear people in the wild how, what their pain points are. Yeah, I mean, we love feedback. I mean, you know, a yeah. lot of what we do is driven off customer feedback. Um, and I think, you know, just getting that feedback from the team, if there is a frustration with how the software itself works or a missing feature or an enhancement mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, hopefully the provider is listening to your feedback and will implement some of the things potentially uh, if it makes sense for that product. And that's going to also get your team behind. So if they see some of those changes happening down the road, um, that's going to make them happy. It's going to make the adoption even stickier, right? So making sure that you receive that feedback and communicate it to the provider is step one, right? If you ignore that feedback, then that, that will never really trickle up to the provider and, and those changes will never happen. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to, to be open to those requests. Cool. So to summarize our eight, our eight ways to drive software adoption in your team, involve your team from the very beginning, choose software that is easy to use, explain the key benefits to your team, uh, keep them to loop into you know why you're choosing the software communicate with the team at every stage of implementation so make sure they understand how it's rolling out and when don't skip out on training regardless of how easy the software is to use don't take that for granted and make sure you train different groups within your team lead by example uh, you have to use the software every day uh, to expect your team members or anybody else to use that software be patient and nurture them along the way uh, so it may not happen as quickly as you think, uh, but, you know, don't, don't let that get out of hand either. Set some guidelines and some restrictions as to when things will be cut off and other things like that. And collect feedback along the way, not only on your internal process of how you use that software, but also uh, feedback on the software itself, feature enhancements, et cetera. So, uh, so let's talk about some tips for taking action. Um, I think we already just gave you eight tips, but uh, do we have anything else, Brian? Great. So we're done. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I think one other thing that I wanted to mention, um, just, you know, empower your team to push back on each other. And this is something I did with one of the rollouts I, I did on a PM software implementation. Um, but a lot of things were happening in email at that time. So keep empowering everybody to say, hey, if somebody emails you with something to do, push back on them, respond with, you know, put it in the PM software, right? And empowering them to do that, because a lot of times people are like, well, they asked me, you know, I had some people ask me, well, what if my boss asked me something to do with some email? Uh, if your boss is supposed to be using that PM software and that's what the decision was and, and all the people who are supposed to be using the software, then you, you're empowering them to push back even on them or yourself or whoever it might be. And it really gave people confidence as to say, well, I can kind of get behind this. I'm using it. So I'm going to 
do my part to help other people to use it. Um, and I think that really did a great deal for me just because it's not me just running around as the person who's rolling the software out, making sure people are using it. It powered everybody to take ownership and kind of hold each other accountable. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And I think that if you're at a company for a rollout of some piece of software and uh, you don't see like management using the software or like there, there is no buy-in, like they're, they're telling you to use a piece of software, but there's no buy-in from the, the people telling you to, to use that piece of software. Like I, I think that there potentially could be a cultural issue at the, uh, at the company, right? Um, especially when it comes with to like project management software or, uh, or, you know, really? any collaborative software really. Any, We're any collaborative relying software. on yeah, when you're relying on kind of multiple people to be in the tool and, and communicating. Yeah, absolutely. One parting thought um, is just that remember that software is a tool to help you solve a problem, not a solution in and of itself. So. You know, you might find the software with all the features you need. It's easy to use. It has the right cost and the, the support and all the things you're looking for. But adoption is key to any software success. So you could find the perfect tool that's going to help you solve your internal problems or whatever's going on. Um, but having a proper kind of rollout plan, things in place to get user adoption is key to success. If you get a small percentage of people using it, it's going to fail. It's going to fall by the wayside. You're going to be in the same boat looking for another piece of software. So really take adoption seriously. Um, the software, finding the right tool is not is one piece of the puzzle. It's not going to solve all your problems. You really need to worry about, well, how are we going to roll this out? How are we going to drive adoption? And hopefully these tips will help you do that. Well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293, or you can email it to us at workflow at rindle.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow and visit rindle.com slash workflow dash podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.